0: I'd like to ask us to please uh, turn to our text for this morning. Genesis 12, verses 1 through 3. Genesis 12, verses 1 through 3. And we're continuing a sermon series this morning, looking at what it means to be the people of God today, His church. And we're going to continue that this morning with this text. And just an invitation before we read the text. Um, I think most of you have noticed that whenever I read the text, I uh, end by saying the word of the Lord, and then uh, some of you have kind of picked up on the response, thanks be to God. Um, it's actually a very traditional uh, uh, call and response after scripture. It's simply a way of uh, denoting the fact, though, that we are in God's presence, and uh, and it's sort of a way of respecting God's word. Um I know some churches used to stand whenever there was the reading of God's Word. I won't make you do that. Um, I know one pastor, at least, who any time he would read a text, he would uh, take off his shoes, just like Moses was commanded to take off his sandals in the presence of God. For your sake, I won't do that. Um, But uh, I'm not going to make you do this either, but I'd like to invite you, if you feel comfortable, whenever I read a text on a Sunday morning and say the Word of the Lord, if you uh, would like, you may respond. Thanks be to God. So, With that in mind, let's read the text this morning, Genesis 12, verses 1 through 3. The Lord had said to Abram, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed you, The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Sisters and brothers in Jesus Christ, every once in a while you'll hear about a company or an organization refocusing on their mission statement. They'll say something like, when we first started out, we were committed to making this product or providing this service or pursuing this goal. But over the years, we've drifted from that a bit. We've tried new things and gotten involved in other opportunities. And none of those were bad, but the time has come for us to refocus. And so we're going back to our roots, back to what we do best, back to what we originally set out to do in the first place. And then they'll normally detail some sort of plan to get back to making that original product, providing that initial service or pursuing that original goal. In other words, they've decided to return to or try to recapture the original purpose and mission as a company or an organization. But God has never had to do that. He's never had to go through that sort of refocusing process, that kind of reboot of his goals or purposes, that kind of return to his original mission. Because the fact is that ever since he first created this world, God has actually been pursuing the same exact thing. You see, despite how it might sometimes seem to us, God has never lost sight of what he originally set out to do with this world. As we saw a few weeks ago when we started this sermon series, God has actually always intended the same couple of things. First, he intended to create a good world full of flourishing and abundance, just the way he intended it. And then second, he created a group of people made in his image to live in that world and steward it according to his purposes. And that's it. That was God's plan. That was his goal. That was his purpose in the beginning, to create a good world with good people who could carry out his will for his creation. And despite everything that has happened since, that's still his goal today. It hasn't changed. That's actually what we looked at when we started this sermon series a couple of weeks ago. Uh, We began this sermon series uh, a few weeks back by looking at Genesis 1, verses 26 through 31 and God's creation of us as human beings. And we started there, like we said, because in order to understand who God intends us to be as his people, his church today, we first needed to understand who God intended us to be as human beings when he made us. What was his mission and purpose for us then when he created us? And what did we see? Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. You know, that passage is really sort of a purpose statement of sorts for us as human beings. It more or less sums up why God made us. It tells us what he designed us to do, what he intended for us to be, and why he put us here on this earth. As we said a couple weeks ago, he created us to rule, right? Rule his world, steward his creation, govern, administrate, and oversee things that he, everything that he made. You know how sometimes people like to say that they're blessed to be a blessing? They have everything that they have so that they can be a blessing to others. Well, that's actually Genesis 1 in a nutshell. In fact, that's us in a nutshell. That's why God created us. As human beings, we are blessed by him to be a blessing, That's what he had in mind for us. He created this whole world and filled it with every blessing imaginable, then gave it all to us and said, take it, use it, continue that process of blessing that I began, continue to be a blessing in this world, continue to be a blessing to each other, just like I intended you to be. Now, because of our sin, uh, sad fact is that we've fallen pretty far away from that, right? Uh, that's what we saw last week when we looked at Genesis 11 and the Tower of Babel story. Instead of living with God as our king and stewarding his creation the way that he designed us to, as sinful human beings, we've drifted pretty far from being the kind of blessing that he created us to be. And yet, that was still his purpose. That was still his goal. That was still his mission and original intent. And no matter how stubbornly we persist in our sin, nothing about that has changed. Nothing has changed God's plans. And said to the contrary, just like he was in the beginning, God is still committed to accomplishing the same purposes that he originally intended both for his creation and also for us as his people. And what we see here in our text for this morning is the beginning of that whole process. The beginning of how God would eventually get his creation back on track. The beginning of his entire plan to restore and redeem all things. It all starts right here in Genesis 12. Like he often does though, God doesn't go about that the way that we might expect him to. Uh, Have you ever noticed that? How seemingly ordinary God's plans often begin? He likes to start things on a small scale, doesn't he? Nothing too big, nothing too fancy, uh, nothing that draws too much attention, just a little push to get the ball rolling. In this case, that push comes in the form of a wandering nomad from a place called Ur. His name is Abram. He has a wife whose name is Sarai. And one day God shows up and tells him, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Blink, and you might miss it. After all, it's only three verses, right? But this is actually how it all starts. This is how God's going to go about redeeming and restoring his creation. In fact, this is how God's going to go about redeeming and restoring us as human beings. He's going to use this man, this family, and their descendants to bless the whole world. You see, what's really going on in this text is a kind of remix, if you will, of God's original blessing at the end of Genesis 1. You know what a remix is? It's where a musician or an artist takes a a song or a piece of art and they sort of recreate it but with a little twist. You know, they sort of put their own spin on it. Well, that's what God is actually doing here. Just like he blessed the first people, Adam and Eve, in the Garden of Eden and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. In the same way, God shows up here in Genesis 12 and blesses Abram. He promises him offspring and descendants who will eventually become a great nation. He promises him a great name. And he promises that he, Abram, will be a blessing to all the rest of the world. In other words, God promises Abram that he will be the same kind of blessing that God intended all of us to be as human beings when he made us. Again, his plan hasn't changed Despite our sin, our shame, our rebellion against him, everything that's happened since he made this world, God's goals and purposes have not shifted. They're still the same. God still wants the same kind of blessing that he intended us to be in the beginning in this world that he has made. And step one for him to get that all back on track is right here with Abram. Unfortunately, though, this plan uh, wasn't without a few problems. Uh, first, Abram and his wife Sarai don't have any kids, and so this whole uh, idea of them uh, having uh, uh, their, their descendants turning into a, a great nation and having lots of children is still just that. It's just an idea. And Then second, it's a little hard to believe it's actually going to happen. That's because Abram isn't exactly a spring chicken here. He's uh, He's old. So is his wife, Sarai. In fact, most scholars think that by the time God appeared to Abram here in Genesis 12, he was about 75 years old, which would make Sarai about 65. And no offense to those of you here this morning in that age range, but I think you would agree with me that it's not exactly the time that you want to be starting a family. I'm in that phase right now, and it's hard enough as a 33-year-old. Okay? So for those of you who have had kids, imagine going back to those first few years of middle of the night feedings and diaper changes and chasing a toddler all around, but beginning that when you're approaching retirement age, right? Except for the difference is you don't get to hand them back to your kids at the end of the day. Being grandma and grandpa is a little different than being mom and dad, right? The third problem is an even bigger one, though. And that's because just before this text, at the end of the previous chapter, Genesis 11, we actually learn that there's a reason why Abram and Sarai don't have kids. That's because Sarai is barren. She can't have kids. It's not that she and Abram haven't tried. It's just, it's not possible. And so all of a sudden... God's plan, his purposes in the world, everything he's intended to do with his creation seems like it's, it's hitting a snag all over again. It's stalled before it's even started. It's dead on arrival. It's over before it even begins. And yet the thing is, that's exactly how God likes to work. After all, this is a God who seems to specialize in doing the impossible. That's something that we see over and over and over again in Scripture. And to illustrate that, let's just go back to the creation account one more time, just for a moment. You see, Genesis 1 starts out in a pretty somber way, too. The first description we get of God's world says that it was formless and empty with darkness over the surface of the deep. And I've actually talked about this before in a previous sermon, but the Hebrew for that phrase formless and empty is tohu v'bohu, and it literally translates to waste and void. The idea is that before God started creating, the world was shapeless and chaotic, an unfilled mass covered with nothing but water and darkness. And yet it's into that, into that chaos, into that emptiness, into that void that God speaks his world. Light and dark, sky and sea, dry ground and land, the sun, the moon, the stars, fish and birds, plants and animals, and finally us, human beings, from nothing From emptiness, God creates everything simply by the power of his word. And my friends, it's that same creative God who now begins the process of recreating his entire world here in Genesis 12. As Old Testament scholar Walter Brueggemann writes in his commentary on this passage, the one who calls the worlds into being now makes a second call. The call is addressed to aged Abraham and to barren Sarah. The purpose of the call is to fashion an alternative community in creation gone awry, to embody in human history the power of the blessing. It is the hope of God that in this new family, all human history can be brought to the unity and harmony intended by the one who calls. Brugeman goes on, it is the same God who calls creation and who calls the community of faith. This same God works his powerful, creative purpose and intervenes in surprising, redemptive ways. The call to Sarah and Abraham has to do not simply with the forming of the people of Israel, but the reforming of creation, the transforming of the nations. The stories of this family are not ends in themselves, but point to God's larger purposes. In other words, just as God overcame the emptiness, the barrenness, if you will, of this world to call his creation into existence, he's now calling its redemption and restoration into existence through Abram and Sarai, despite their own barrenness. Once again, God is doing the impossible through the ordinary. He's starting small with a childless nomad and his wife temporarily residing in a strange land called Haran. But what he's going to do through them will be truly magnificent. And that's because he's going to use them, unlikely candidates though they might be, in order to get this entire process of redeeming and restoring his world going, setting the whole thing back on track and eventually filling it with the kind of abundant blessing that he meant it to have in the beginning. And my friends, that's us as the church today too. Like Abram and Sarai, we are the people that God has called back to himself. We are the people, unlikely candidates though we might seem, that he has chosen to use in his world. We are the people that he has blessed with all the riches of his grace, which he has lavished on us in Jesus Christ so that we can be a blessing for the rest of the world too, just like he created us to be. That's what we have been called to as part of his church, as his people today. Like we said, God's purposes and his plans in this world have never changed. He's still pursuing the same goal the same mission, having a good world with good people to steward it according to his will. That's us. That's who we are. That's what we've been called to be. That's our purpose and mission as God's people today. And it all started here in this text. You see, eventually, Abram and Sarai would have that child that God promised them. And that child would have children of his own, and they would have children too. And eventually, Abram and Sarai's family would grow into exactly what God said it would. An entire nation. An entire people. The people of Israel. That ordinary family... That small-scale promise, that little push that God gives his plan would snowball into something so much bigger. But a few centuries later, millennia, in fact, God would do something like that again. He would promise another child, this time to a frightened teenager who wasn't even married. And yet, just like with Abram and Sarai, that promise would come true. That child would be born But instead of growing up to have children and descendants of his own and giving life to God's promises that way, instead this child would grow up and go to a cross. It would be through his death that he would give life to God's promises. And not because of anything he'd done. Not because he deserved it. Not because he'd made some sort of mistake or messed up in some sort of way. But because we did. He would take the penalty and price for our sins so that we could be forgiven. He would suffer the curse of this entire fallen creation so that we could experience the blessing of our God. He would be rejected so that we could be redeemed and restored. My friends, his name is Jesus Christ, and he's our Lord and Savior. It's because of him that we are renewed and recreated to be the people God has called us to be once more. It's because of him that we are so richly blessed and able to be a blessing to the rest of the world. It's because of him that God invites us to be part of his mission, purpose, and plan, the same one he's always been pursuing. As Christians, we call that the gospel. And it's the story of how God got his world back on track, including us as his people, just like he meant it to be in the beginning. And as a result, like Abram and Sarai, we too get to live out the blessing that he intended for us to be in the world he made and gave us to steward and serve. So go. You've been blessed through Christ, be the blessing that God intends you to be as his people. Thanks be to God. Amen. Will you pray with me? Lord, we thank you that our sin was not too much for you to overcome. It did not destroy your world beyond repair. It did not distort and ruin us beyond hope. It did not make impossible what you have always planned and intended from the beginning. Thank you for sending your son, Jesus Christ, to redeem and restore your world, to redeem and restore us, and to call us back to you as your people. Help us to live as your people in your world, a light and a witness to all that you intend to do to your great plan of restoration and renewal. We pray this all in the name of the one who makes it possible our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.